Hello you guys, what is up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. I hope you all are having a great week. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. I'm your host of the Killer Instinct podcast. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. Okay, you guys. So for today, we are talking about Alyssa Turney. Alyssa was 17 years old when she went missing on May 17th, 2001. I do want to say before we get started that Alyssa's sister, Sarah Turney, has actually, she has a TikTok account where she has been spreading awareness on Alyssa's case through different videos, home movies, facts on the case, and other information. So if you are interested in going and checking that out, you can search Sarah Turney on TikTok and her page will pop up. This case is one that you guys have been tagging me in a lot recently and for very good reason because nothing about this case makes any sense and we are going to dive right on into it today. But before we get started, I do want to say that at the time of Alyssa's disappearance, I just want to give you a little description of her physical appearance. At the time of Alyssa's disappearance, she stood at about 5 feet 4 inches tall. She was about 145 pounds. She had brown hair with blonde highlights and a small scar on her chin. And she would be 36 years old today. Alyssa was born on April 3rd, 1984 to Barbara and Stephen Strayham. She's described as someone who has a carefree spirit. She's always full of life and she's incredibly caring. According to Alyssa's sister, Sarah, Alyssa was definitely a badass. She stood up for herself. She protected the people she loved and she was definitely a tomboy. She wasn't afraid to get some dirt on her hands. She loved dirt biking. She loved being outside and she also loved music. Music was a big escape for Alyssa. She loved to close her door and lock herself in her room while blasting music like Marilyn Manson and Eminem. Alyssa attended high school at Paradise Valley High School located in Phoenix, Arizona, and she had a lot of friends and she also had a boyfriend. Like many people, Alyssa came from a blended family. When she was three years old, her mom Barbara married a man named Michael Turney. Michael Turney worked as an electrician and was a former sheriff's deputy. At the the time Barbara and Michael got married, Michael had three older boys from a previous marriage, and Barbara also had a 10-year-old son named John who came from a different biological father than Alyssa had. Once Barbara and Michael got married, the two of them ended up having a daughter together that they named Sarah, and Michael officially adopted Alyssa and John after Sarah was born. However, in 1993, tragedy struck in this family when Barbara was diagnosed with lung cancer and unfortunately passed away one year later, which left Michael to raise two young girls on his own. He technically was the single father to all of his children. However, his boys at this time were a little bit older. They had already moved out of the house and it was really just Michael, Sarah, and Alyssa living in the house together. Now, when it came to his relationship with the girls, Michael had a very very different relationship with each of them. When it came to Sarah, Michael was known to be a very laid-back kind of guy, basically let her do whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted. Sarah said it was very clear that he treated her and Alyssa differently. It would sometimes be the root of the arguments that Alyssa and Sarah would have. It was very apparent. He did not try to hide it whatsoever. He was very loose when it came to Sarah. There weren't a lot of rules she had to follow. However, when it came to Alyssa, Michael was 
was extremely, extremely strict. Michael said that Alyssa needed more guidance and more direction in her life and was overall just a lot harder on her. Michael went as far as writing down rules for Alyssa on a poster board and hung them up in the living room of their house to make sure she was always seeing them and knew what was expected of her. Michael also set up a surveillance camera in the living room vent of the home, so literally inside the home, and this camera was hiding in the vent of the living room, and he made Sarah aware of these surveillance cameras. However, he never told Alyssa about them. Along with this, Michael would follow Alyssa to work and sit in the parking lot for hours on end, waiting and watching her. It's important to note that Alyssa did have a little bit of a rebellious side to her as well. She was 17 years old. She was a teenage girl. She wanted to go out with her friends and have fun, and sometimes she would come home a little bit drunk, or if she got caught smoking, this would lead to extremely tense arguments between her and Michael. There would be screaming matches, and the doors would be slamming shut. The two of them overall just had a very tense relationship, and some people have claimed that Michael was obsessed with Alyssa. He would go through her things and monitor her phone calls, and a direct quote from Michael regarding Alyssa's behavior is, quote, she was quite a handful. A pistol. Some might call it difficult to deal with, but I took it as a challenge, end quote. So let's talk about May 17th, 2001. So Alyssa was 17 years old at this point, and it was a Thursday, and it was also Alyssa's last day of her junior year of high school before summer. So Alyssa woke up on this day, and she went to school as usual. Michael dropped her off like any other day. And now from this point on, what we go off of is the perspective of Michael Turney. So according to Michael, he said that he picked Alyssa up from school early that day. He picked her up anywhere from 10.30 to 11 a.m., and the two of them went and picked up lunch and then went home. Now, according to Michael, he said the reason he picked up Alyssa from school early that day was to talk about Alyssa's summer plans with her, which then resulted in an argument between the two of them. According to Michael, he said that Alyssa was adamant on the fact that she wanted to just enjoy her summer. She wanted to spend time with her friends and have more freedom. However, according to Michael, he told her at this point, as long as Alyssa was living under his roof, she was going to follow his rules. Michael said that this response made Alyssa extremely upset and she stormed off to her room and slammed the door. At this point, Michael said he decided to let Alyssa cool off for a little bit and give her some space, which is when he decided to leave the house at around 1 p.m. Now, Sarah, Alyssa's sister, was actually on a field trip with her school this day. It was her last day of seventh grade and her and her grade went to a water park for a field trip as the last day of school. Now, when the field trip was over and the bus was pulling up to school where all the kids parents were supposed to pick them up, Sarah noticed that Michael was not there to get her. Now, Sarah didn't think too much of it at this point, and she was actually kind of excited that Michael wasn't there to pick her up because this meant that she got to walk to her friend's house that was really close by, and she got to hang out and spend some time with her friends while waiting for Michael to come and pick her up. Now, the timing on this part is a little iffy. However, at some point between 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., Sarah remembers Michael pulling up to her friend's house to pick her up and take her home. Once Sarah got in the car with Michael, Michael turned to Sarah and told her that he was having trouble getting in contact with Alyssa. He then gave Sarah his cell phone and told her to call Alyssa. Sarah didn't have a cell phone at this point. It was 2001 
and Sarah was 12, 13 years old. So she didn't have a cell phone, which was why Michael told her to call Alyssa off of his phone. However, after attempting to call her multiple different times on the ride home, Alyssa never picked up. When Michael and Sarah returned home, they walked into the house and realized that Alyssa was nowhere to be found. She wasn't in the house, she wasn't outside, she was gone. While trying to look around for Alyssa, Sarah says she remembers walking into Alyssa's bedroom and it was at this point she heard some buzzing and so she starts looking around the room and that is when she noticed Alyssa's cell phone had been left at the top of Alyssa's dresser. Along with that, all of the contents of Alyssa's backpack had been scattered all throughout her room. Now, this was very unusual for Alyssa because she was someone who typically kept her room fairly clean. So for everything in her backpack to just be scattered everywhere was extremely unusual. Now, what was probably the most alarming was a note that Sarah found written to her and Michael. Now, this note said, quote, Dad and Sarah, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided that I really am going to California. Sarah, you said you didn't want me around. Now look, you've got it. I'm gone. That's why I saved my money. Dad, I took $300 from you. Alyssa. End quote. Now, experts have reviewed this note and they have determined that this note most likely was written by Alyssa. It looks exactly like her handwriting when comparing it to other things that she has written. However, even though they do believe that it is Alyssa's handwriting, there is no telling when she actually wrote this note. Now, according to Alyssa's friends, picking up and running away without telling a single person was extremely out of character for her. Her friends said that there was absolutely no way she would have left without calling any of her friends. And along with that, she had a boyfriend that she was really into. They had a great relationship. And on top of all of that, she had plans to go to a party that night with her friends. So with all of these things combined, it didn't make any sense to Alyssa's friends why she would just run away without telling a single person. Now, when this note was found stating that Alyssa was going to California, Michael kind of put two and two together in his mind, and he said that it was possible that Alyssa ran away to her Aunt Lynette's house in California. Now, Lynette was related to Barbara, and prior to Alyssa's disappearance, Michael had actually called Lynette and asked her if Alyssa could go spend the summer with her in California after Alyssa and Michael had gotten into an argument. Now, according to Lynette, she said she believes that Michael was asking her this thinking that she would say no. However, Lynette said yes, that Alyssa could come and stay with her. However, after she said yes, Michael was just kind of like, oh, never mind. It's not going to work. We don't have to do this anymore. So when Michael found this note, he actually filed a missing persons report that same day on May 17th and told authorities that he believed Alyssa ran away to go to her aunt's house in California. So when the missing persons report was filed, authorities basically just marked this as a runaway. However, even after figuring out that Alyssa was not at her Aunt Lynette's house in California, authorities didn't do any searching in the surrounding areas for Alyssa. They didn't put on an Amber Alert because Alyssa was underage. They didn't do any of that. They marked it as a runaway and kind of left it alone. Authorities did look into Alyssa's bank account. That was one thing that they did, and they found that she had $1,800 in her bank account, which authorities did think was a little bit odd because if you're going to run away, you typically take everything out of your account. That way, no one can track you and see where you've been spending your money location-wise. 
otherwise, but all the money that Alyssa had was still in her bank account. Now here is where I want to mention that there was a serial killer named Thomas Heimer, also known as Psycho. Now Thomas Heimer was arrested in 2003 for murdering a woman and while in jail, he claimed that he actually murdered 21 women. He said that these women included J.C. Lee Dugard and Alyssa Turney. Now, the first problem with this is that J.C. Lee is actually not dead. If you know J.C.'s story, it's one that I've had on my list to cover for a while now, and I will, I will get to it. However, J.C. was held hostage and escaped after many, many years. So she is not dead. However, when it came to Alyssa, Thomas claimed that he met Alyssa at a motel in Phoenix and made up this whole story about her saying that she was some heroin addict, which was never something that her family or friends claimed that she was involved in. And so because of this story, it didn't take long for authorities to realize that Thomas Heimer or Psycho was completely full of it. But when they realized that, they also realized that there were some inconsistencies in this case that they kind of just looked over by stamping it as a runaway. The first thing that they looked into was something that I mentioned earlier, which was the surveillance cameras. Now, like I said earlier, Michael had all of these cameras set up inside of his house that he swears were never to spy on his children and that were just there for security reasons. However, Sarah, Alyssa's sister, said that there were multiple different occasions that her father would show her the different things that he caught on the surveillance tapes. One even included Alyssa and her boyfriend making out on the couch in the living room. He never told Alyssa about the cameras, but like I said, earlier was very open to Sarah about what he was doing with them. So the great thing about security cameras and surveillance footage is you can go back and look and see what happened on a specific day at a specific time. So authorities asked Michael if they could see the footage of inside of the house the day that Alyssa went missing on May 17th. Now this is where there's two different stories thrown in. Now according to Lynette, who again was the aunt that Alyssa was going to stay with, she she said that Michael told her that the cameras were just not working that day. However, Michael claims that he had offered to hand the tapes of May 17th over to the authorities. However, they were not interested in seeing them. So at first, Lynette says, you know, he said the cameras weren't working that day. And then Michael comes forward and says, no, they were working that day. I tried to give them to the authorities, but the authorities just didn't want to look at them. Then in 2007, when the case started being taken, taken more seriously, authorities asked Michael to see the tapes from that day again. They wanted to see what happened. They wanted to see Alyssa. They wanted to see what she was wearing, how she was acting when she left. However, Michael told authorities that he had already watched the tapes himself and there was nothing to see off of them. So because of that, Michael claimed that he got rid of the tapes altogether and to this day, those tapes have never been seen by authorities. Now, along with the surveillance tapes, authorities also discovered that Michael had a system set up in the home that monitored any incoming and outgoing phone calls from the home, which is kind of odd if you think about it, especially for the people in the house who don't know that this is going on. If Alyssa was unaware that certain phone calls of hers could be monitored, I mean, it's just 
a little bit of an invasion of privacy, but anyways. After Alyssa went missing, Michael claimed that Alyssa called his home phone from a California payphone and basically cursed him out and told him to leave her alone and then just hung up the phone. However, once authorities asked Michael to see the recording of that phone call, he said it didn't exist and he never showed it to authorities. Why? So it was around this time that Michael was definitely being looked at more closely by authorities and family members. And you have to remember, Michael used to work in law enforcement. He knows the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts to make someone look like a runaway. And something that Michael kept hidden from his family for years following Alyssa's disappearance was the fact that he picked up Alyssa early from school on May 17th, 2001. He did not tell any of his family members about that fact. And it wasn't even him that came forward with that information. According to Sarah, she said that she was never made aware of the fact that Michael picked up Alyssa early from school that day until eight years later in 2009 when 2020 did a special on Alyssa's case. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. Now, when this 2020 special aired, family and friends and authorities were asking Michael again, why did you take Alyssa out of school that day? And instead of saying what he initially said in the beginning, which was that he wanted to have a conversation with her about her summer plans and what she was going to do for the summer, instead he was now saying that the real reason she got picked up early that day is because she asked Michael to come and get her because she wanted to break up with her boyfriend. Now, this didn't make any sense to anyone because, well, a couple things. One, Alyssa had plans to see her boyfriend later that night. And along with that, before she got picked up from school by Michael, she actually went to the class that her boyfriend was in and popped her head in and told him that she was getting picked up early and that she would see him later that night. But because Michael brought this up, it definitely led people to believe that there actually could have been jealousy between Michael and and Alyssa's boyfriend. According to Sarah, Michael had recorded with surveillance footage multiple times that Alyssa and her boyfriend would argue and presented it to the authorities almost as if saying like he could have done something to hurt her, he could have been responsible for this, which wasn't the case because Alyssa's boyfriend was at school the entire day. Now it was right around this time when Michael actually came up with a new theory of what he believed could have possibly happened to Alyssa. So before it was 
she ran away. I know she ran away. She had to have run away. But now things were changing a little bit. According to Michael, he said he thought that the local Union Hall was responsible for Alyssa's disappearance. Now, the Union Hall is where Michael used to work. I told you earlier that Michael was an electrician and he worked for a Union Hall. Now, according to Michael, he said that the Union Hall could have had something to do with it because they had a possible grudge against Michael for complaining about working conditions while he was employed by them. Now, there's a lot deeper of a story here. It's kind of confusing and it's just, it's in my opinion, not necessary because it's just, there's no way that this is actually true. But basically, Michael said that the Union Hall wanted him dead because they knocked him off of a ladder while he was working one day and he ended up getting injured. But he ended up getting a pretty big settlement from this injury. So police didn't really think that the Union Hall and the people that he was working for were trying to murder him. And I watched a video of Sarah and she made a very good point, which was if they were actually trying to murder him, you know, get him on a roof and push him off and don't like kick him down a ladder. There's different ways to do it. So because of this, everyone just thought Michael was weirdly paranoid at this point. But now authorities wanted to look more into Michael's home to see if there was anything they could find. So they ended up driving to his house and found him actually walking to his mailbox on this specific day that they did this. Now, when authorities approached him, they found that he had multiple different weapons on him at this time. He had two pistols. He also had seven magazines filled with ammunition and a knife. This was all just to walk to the mailbox. So because of this, authorities were actually able to arrest Michael and this gave them complete access into his home where they found a total of 19 guns and 26 pipe bombs. Now, I didn't know what a pipe bomb was when I was doing my initial research on this. So when I looked it up, I discovered that it basically is an explosive device. This type of device was something that was used a lot in the Spanish Civil War. So so he had 26 of these in his home. They also found a 98-page document that Michael had written up, which was basically a manifesto claiming that the Union Hall had kidnapped and murdered Alyssa, and that because of this, he was going to seek revenge against them for that reason. It stated that he was planning on getting back at them and was very detailed. It said that he was going to go in there and basically blow the whole thing up. Now, along with this 98-page manifesto, Authorities also found a contract, so to speak, that Michael had created that Alyssa signed that essentially was a contract that stated that Michael never sexually assaulted Alyssa. Now, authorities were really thrown off by this because literally, what the heck is this? Who does that? Why would he do that? And if you are creating a contract to have your daughter sign stating that you never sexually assaulted her, it really doesn't look good on your part. It was after this that authorities learned that there had been multiple allegations that Michael had been sexually abusing Alyssa. According to Alyssa's boyfriend, he came forward and told authorities that Alyssa told him a story of Michael picking her up early from school one day and driving her to a deserted area in his truck and sexually assaulting her. Her friends have also come forward and claimed that Alyssa confided in them about similar instances of sexual assault by Michael as well. 
Now, again, it is important just to say that these are allegations. Nothing has been completely proven yet. But the instance that I found incredibly disturbing, the alleged instance that I found incredibly disturbing, was an allegation made by Michael's nephew. I believe his name was David. Now, this nephew actually lived with Michael and the girls for about six months. And according to the nephew, he said that one day he was just at the house and he was going to watch a movie because he found a VHS tape labeled Dr. Doolittle. So the nephew decides to play this tape and when he played it, he said he was absolutely shocked to find that this video labeled Dr. Doolittle was actually a video of a woman lying on Michael's couch wearing nothing but a pair of shorts and her face was covered with newspaper. Michael's nephew said he couldn't really tell exactly who the person was because of the newspaper covering her face. However, he believed that the girl in the video was Alyssa. Now, the next clip on the tape was of another girl who was also wearing nothing but shorts and had the same newspaper covering her face as well, and the nephew said that he believed this clip was one of Alyssa's friends. Michael's nephew said that in the clip, Michael was just sitting there watching them, and the nephew said that he became so incredibly disturbed by this that he decided to pack up his bags that day and leave the house. Now, according to Michael, he said that obviously none of this is true, and that his nephew was a drunk that he let stay at his house but after multiple times of him driving drunk, he ended up having to kick him out. So it definitely was a he said, he said type of thing. Now, there is a home videotape that was taken on March 29th, 1997, so a couple years prior to Alyssa's disappearance. And on this tape, it is Michael and Alyssa, and Sarah is behind the camera recording. They're basically in a park, it looks like, and they're kind of throwing things at each other. I don't know if it's a ball or a stick or whatever, but Michael and Alyssa are throwing something back and forth to each other. And Alyssa kept calling Sarah's name to get Sarah's attention while she was behind the camera. And once Sarah pointed the camera at Alyssa, Alyssa said, quote, dad's a pervert, end quote. Now, I'm not sure if Michael knew that this was being recorded or not, because after she said that, Michael grabbed the camera out of Sarah's hands and said, oh, it's still recording. And then Michael pointed the camera at Alyssa and said two times, Alyssa's a stupid moron. And he said it again, Alyssa's a stupid moron. Now, one of Michael's sons named James, who was 10 years older than Alyssa, he actually appeared on the Dateline special of Alyssa's case, and he came forward and said that he was actually hoping to take in both Alyssa and Sarah after their mother had passed away due to the fact that he didn't like the way that Michael was raising the girls. He said that Alyssa came to him and told him directly that she was afraid of Michael and didn't want to live there anymore. He also said after hearing that she ran away, he 100% believed it because he knew how badly she wanted to get away from Michael. However, after learning that she didn't go to his house, nor did she go to her Aunt Lynette's house in California, he was worried because she literally just vanished out of thin air. In 2010, Michael was arrested for possessing destructive devices, so he was arrested for his plan of attack against the Union Hall. Now, after his arrest, Michael came forward and said that the whole idea that he was going to get revenge against Union Hall was a complete lie, and that the only thing he had in his home when authorities went through it was fireworks, so he could make loud noises literally just for the purpose of making loud noises. 
is. Now, along with this, he also claimed that his plan was simply to go to the Union Hall and kill himself in order to raise awareness for Alyssa's disappearance. Now, for a long time, for about nine years after Alyssa's disappearance, Sarah and Alyssa's other siblings were all standing by Michael. They were trying to do everything they could to get him out of prison because they had such a different relationship to Michael than Alyssa did. The difference in treatment with Alyssa and Michael to Michael and Alyssa's other siblings was so night and day. Alyssa's other siblings saw him as this great stand-up guy. He treated them super well. He was super nice to his kids, but Alyssa had a completely different experience with him. So when this all came out and the fingers were starting to be pointed at Michael, Alyssa's siblings remembered how great of a father he was to them. And so because of that, they started defending him. However, it wasn't until nine years after Alyssa's disappearance they started to realize that things were not adding up. And slowly over time, Alyssa's siblings started to turn against Michael. According to Sarah, she said that once she started having a realization of, oh wow, things aren't adding up here. Maybe he really did do something. She told Michael that she was going to stop advocating for him and also asked if he was responsible. And Sarah said that he would laugh about it and taunt her about it. Sarah has actually posted a TikTok, which remember I told you guys in the beginning, she's been super, super active on TikTok about Alyssa's case. It's been absolutely amazing the amount of coverage that Alyssa's case has been getting just from these TikToks. It's amazing to see. And in this particular TikTok, Sarah played a recording that she got from her father after meeting with him after he had served his time in prison. Now, Sarah had asked her father what happened to Alyssa, and his direct response was, quote, be there at the deathbed, Sarah, and I will give you all the honest answers you want to hear, end quote. When Sarah asked him why he couldn't just tell her now, he responded by saying, quote, you've got them now, end quote, in reference to the answers that she wanted to hear. And then he started laughing and said, quote, I don't know, Sarah, what you are looking for, end quote. So this, based off of this recording, it really does sound like Michael is telling Sarah, you know, just come to my deathbed and I will tell you everything you want to know. First of all, why? Why wait that long? Is it because you want to wait as long as you can so you don't have to get arrested and charged for this? Or is there something else that is just not being talked about? Now, Sarah said she took this recording to the authorities where the police basically told her that Michael never confessed to them, so her recording didn't really make a difference. Now, along with that, Sarah said that one time she was going through her father's things and found a map of California. Now, on this map, there were coordinates marked on it that led to this really like middle of nowhere desert type of place. And when she gave this map to the authorities, nothing came of it. However, there was a hiker who had actually hiked the place where the coordinates were set up on the map. And this was all coincidental. This hiker did not know about the coordinates on the map. However, when he was hiking, he did come across a set of remains. Now, these remains were too destroyed to even come up with a gender of who they belonged to, and when they were tested to see if they belonged to Alyssa, the results came back inconclusive. So, there really is no telling because the bones were in such bad condition when they were discovered. So, let's talk about what Sarah believes happened to her sister. Now, according to Sarah, she says that she believes that her father, Michael, picked up Alyssa early from school that day on May 17th, 2001, and drove 
drove her out to the desert, which he knew very well. She said she believes the reason he did this was so that he could sexually assault Alyssa. However, this time, Alyssa fought back and told Michael that she was going to tell someone what he had been doing to her, which is when Sarah believes that Michael basically just snapped. Because of his history in law enforcement, he knew what to do with Alyssa. Sarah believes he buried her body relatively close to where they live and that he went home that day, got himself together, and set the scene to make it look like Alyssa ran away. Sarah says she believes her father basically set the scene up for Sarah to walk into Alyssa's room and make it look like Alyssa had just left. Now, I want to say that Michael has been released from prison. He was released on his charges for having the explosive weapons in 2017, and him and Sarah met up a couple months later in October 2017 to discuss Alyssa. According to Sarah, she said that after Michael realized that she was there to get answers about Alyssa and not to reconnect with her father, he got extremely angry, which is when he made the comment about come to the deathbed. Sarah has also started her own podcast called Voices for Justice. Justice, which gives an in-depth look into the Turney family history and the events leading up to Alyssa's disappearance. Sarah has made it her mission to find out what happened to Alyssa. She has said, quote, this is not going away and I'm going to make sure it never does. I still think of her as my tough older sister who taught me to be tough. Now I need to continue to be tough and use that to fight for the justice she deserves. She deserves her day in court and I'm determined to give her that, end quote. So to this day, there has been no justice for Alyssa. There has been no trial, no nothing. However, I do want to say that the latest update that we have on this case was from last month that Sarah actually announced on her podcast. She said that the Phoenix Police Department is submitting Alyssa's case to the prosecutor's office for charges against Michael Turney. Now, this is huge. This is so incredibly amazing, and I really hope that we can follow this case and watch it go to trial. However, as of right now, Michael Turney is a free man. As far as my opinions on this case, I think the whole thing doesn't make any sense, and it makes me frustrated that it took some serial killer named Psycho to lie about the fact that he murdered Alyssa for authorities to take a real second look at this case and realize the question marks that come up from it. The note is the one thing that confuses me the most, I would say, because if you look up the note online and look at other pictures of Alyssa's handwriting, you will see that the note does look like it came from Alyssa, and for that reason, I wonder if this note was written on a different occasion, possibly when her father told her that she couldn't go stay at her Aunt Lynette's, and that's why she says, I'm going to California. I wonder if Michael found this note and thought it would be the perfect way to lay out the scene. I also wonder why, if we're going into the theory that, you know, Alyssa ran away, why wouldn't she take her car with her? Alyssa had her own car. How did she get anywhere? Did she walk? What's the vehicle that she used? Was it a bus? And if so, why wasn't her car found at the bus stop or a train station if she used a train? How did she get from Arizona to California if that's really what happened. This case has so many unanswered questions and things that just don't sit right, and I do believe that if Alyssa did just run away, there would be some evidence to prove it. I think someone would have seen her and someone would have reported it. However, that has never happened. 
again, I really do hope that this case goes to trial because Alyssa deserves so much more justice than she has been getting. And I really, really encourage you guys to spread the word on Alyssa's case. There is a petition that you could sign. Um, I'm going to find out a way to get you guys the link to that to take Alyssa's case to trial. So I'm going to find that link and I'll either put it on my Instagram. It's just at Savannah Brimer. You can follow me there or I'll put it, I'll definitely have it in the YouTube video that I post on this case tomorrow that's going live. But yes, I definitely think that Alyssa deserves so much more justice than she has been given so far. And I really hope that it is given to her in the near future. So with that being said, you guys, let me know what you think about this case. You can email me your thoughts, questions, theories, comments, all of it at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case. And until then, I'll talk to you soon, guys. Stay safe.